Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to download that new scenario to a companion app when you have bad service at the Board Game Cafe. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about board games that utilize apps. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, including Escape Tales Low Memory and Children of Wormwood, plus Stay Cool. Then we revisit a topic from episode 33, games that use a digital app as an essential piece or helpful companion to gameplay. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal, plus special guest and patron of the show, Matt. One quick announcement before we hop into the main episode, and that is that our five-year anniversary is next week. It has officially been five years since we started the podcast, which just blows my mind in ways that I cannot express. (laughs) Yeah, that's a long time. (laughs) So in celebration of that fact, we, you know, I think you all know if you've been around for a while, we've done some pretty big stuff for our anniversaries in the past. This year, we are keeping it a little bit more low-key, but we are hosting an online game night for all of the Blitzketeers. It's going to be tomorrow, Friday, (laughs) May, what is the date of Friday? May 21st in our Discord. So if you are not in our Discord, make sure you go to the show notes of this episode and click on the link to join our Discord. And we are going to be streaming as well, so you can also hang out in the chat on Twitch with us if you want to do that instead. But if you want to participate, you're going to want to be in the Discord. We're planning on doing some fun party games, like party board games, some Jackbox games, kind of whatever everybody's feeling. Maybe some board game arena, who knows? Needless to say, we just want to celebrate you all, our community, our Blitzketeer fans who we love so very much. And so we want to do a game day for you all. And we will have been tweeting about this this week before this episode dropped. So hopefully you are already aware. But in case this is the first you're hearing of it, it's tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> or today if you're listening to it on Friday. That is also true. And if you're listening on Saturday, I'm very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but also... Just to tease you a little bit, we are doing a big giveaway for our fifth anniversary as well, sponsored by our awesome sponsor, Gray Fox Games, and that we are going to be giving the details for that in our next episode. So that is an episode that you will not want to miss, because we've got some pretty cool prizes lined up for that. So that's exciting. Another announcement we have is that next weekend is Tabletop Live Network on May 29th through 30th, 24 hours of Twitch streaming, and we will be streaming on Saturday, May 29th at 12 p.m. Pacific. Uh, We'll be streaming Flashpoint Fire Rescue while eating hot sauce. (laughs) Yes, we... I don't even remember. Did you come up with this idea? I feel like... Um, I think I came up with, like, a different idea, and then you came up with this idea because we were thinking of, like, fun ideas. And I think you you might have mentioned this, or I don't know. We wanted to do something a little bit gimmicky, just kind of, like, spice things up, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, And so, yes, Ambie and I bought these ridiculous hot sauce sets from Amazon that, like, have 12 different hot sauces of increasing spiciness and mm-hmm. every time a specific thing happens in the game in flashpoint fire rescue we're gonna eat the next hot sauce up up to a certain point yeah. we're probably not gonna go through all 12 we'll i don't see. like spicy I, food so <laughs> i would like i see and i like spicy stuff but i'm kind of a wuss because i haven't had a lot in a long time mm-hmm. so we'll see how it goes but i'm really excited to uh potentially suffer for the sake of mm-hmm. a funny twitch stream because yep. you know it'll be fun
I got a couple of review copies of games from Board and Dice. I got Escape Tales Low Memory and Escape Tales Children of Wormwood, which are both games in the Escape Tales series. If you're not familiar with the Escape Tales series, they're like a story-driven escape room type game. The first one was Escape Tales The Awakening, which I played a few years ago. And so this is like the second and third in the series. They're not related story-wise, but they have very similar mechanics. The mechanics have like some slightly new things in each of the new games, but if you've played the first one, there's just like a sheet telling you how how it changes in the new ones. So um, for both of the games, they take a quite a long time. They have, I think, like three chapters each, and you can do each of those in one session. Actually, for Low Memory, it was three sessions that we did, and for Children's of Wormwood, it was two sessions that we did. But I think... For us, they were longer sessions in Children of Wormwood. The, the time on BGG says 360 to 540 minutes and 450 minutes for the second one. So they say a long time. It, it didn't take us that long. Maybe like three hours for Escape Tales, Low Memory, and maybe like four to five hours for Children of Wormwood. So still a, a good amount of time. Yeah, that's, because, like, that's, a, that's a decent chunk yeah, of time. Yeah, because a lot of it is reading. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure game where you're reading text and doing puzzles. So both of the Escape Tales games were designed by Jakub Kaban and Bartosz Idzikowski. Low Memory was published in 2019 and Children's of Wormwood in 2020. Uh, I enjoyed both of them. I played them both with Toby, two players. So like one of us was handling the app, um, which it comes with a web app, uh, not one that you download, but just like on their website, you go on their website and then it like remembers I guess cookies or something <laughs> where you are in the game. And so that is how you do all the puzzles. So you enter in codes for the puzzles. And um, what's cool about that is that each puzzle has a symbol on it. So when you get a puzzle card, it has like the symbol and you can push the symbol and look in the app and then you can say like what cards are needed for it. And it says, oh, you need two puzzle cards for this or like two puzzle cards and this location card. And so you know what you need for it which is very helpful because a lot of times you're not sure like, oh, should I be working on this puzzle now or doing something else? So, yeah, like, I was, I've only played The Awakening, <laughs> but that hint system was very helpful. Yes. I, anytime now that I come across an escape room game that gives you the ability to just see what <laughs> components are needed, I'm like, just look yeah. at that. Like, yeah, let's just, just look know. At that. <laughs> that way I'm not sitting here going, why yeah. can't I figure this out when I'm missing like half yeah. of the puzzle, basically. Yes. But like outside of that part of the hint system, I think the rest of the hint system, I did not like at all. For most of the puzzles, the hints either didn't make sense or like they didn't guide you or like there are what you already know. And then it just leaps to the solution and doesn't explain the solution at all. Yes. Um, okay. They did that in the first one too. And it frustrated yeah. me to no end. Like, yeah. I was like, you did not explain this at all. Yeah. So it's like you either know it or you don't. So the hints didn't help there. And so like a lot of times we would be stuck and then we just like go to the solution. So I, I really liked the story of, of both of them, but and some of the puzzles I liked, but some of them were just very frustrating. And I think maybe partly because we just like jumped to the solution, maybe that's why it took less time than it says on Board Game Geek. I'm not sure. But that, that's like, I want to play for the enjoyment of it. So if I wasn't enjoying the puzzles and I just, okay, like, and <laughs> there are still some that I don't know how the solution happened. I'm the same way, especially the more, the more escape room games I do, the more... Mm -hmm okay I am with taking hints that like I used yeah. to kind of avoid the hints entirely and now I'm like no like I'll give it a good cut to be the old college try and then if I can't <laughs> figure the thing out I'm just gonna get some help and it'll make the experience more enjoyable yeah 
So some specific things that made it a little difficult to do some puzzles is that some of them, the puzzles are more like the answer is like a circle or like a stack of things. And then the answer in the app is always a line of characters. So then it's like, oh, the <laughs> the order of the of the answer is like you do the top of the triangle and then the next two and then the next two or something. But then you're entering in it as a line, which is kind of confusing if you're more of a visual person. Uh, and then there were some puzzles. I think this happened more in Children of Wormwood than Low Memory, but there are some puzzles that like, oh, you have these dials and you're supposed to turn the dials or something. Or like, you know how in exit games you cut up things and then rearrange it. But in these Escape Tales games, you don't cut up anything. You're just looking at pictures on cards. So you're supposed to visualize like cutting out the things and rearranging it. But it's just like on a card and you don't cut it up. So that's pretty difficult sometimes. Yeah. Um, or, or you might want like tracing paper for something for filling in stuff. So some of the puzzles are pretty hard to do like that. So like just like the the way it's done is difficult. Some of the puzzles I liked though. In low memory, the there were puzzles that were more solo and like logic puzzles, which I like, but but then Toby just sat out because he didn't want to do them. <laughs> so um like it's it's more like a solo puzzle experience for some of those. And some of the puzzles were a little tedious. But I liked the hard puzzles for some of those. Uh it's just if you don't know how to do them, the hint system does not help. So, yeah. Um, but I, I still enjoyed it, even with the frustrating puzzles, because I really liked the story. And for both Low Memory and Children's of Wormwood, there's there's a branching story. It's a dark story, not for children. So I'd say maybe like teenagers. I don't really know when kids get old enough to <laughs> for for like the dark stories that are in here, because it involves like death and killing and stuff so uh not for for young children uh and then there's lots of branching storyline too uh, in children of wormwood there were a lot of different endings and the app actually has like once you finish the app tells you oh you can just read all of the different endings <laughs> so so you can go through all of them but there's so many i didn't read through all of them because it depends on a lot of different things so like if you're like me and want to read everything you can you can read all the endings Although you might not be able to read, I mean, you can, it, it's harder to read everything during the game because it's a, a booklet with a lot of passages in it. So you, it's hard to remember where you went. So are there <laughs> yeah. enough paths in it that you could play it multiple times and likely see different stuff in addition to the ex, the, uh, the different endings? Yeah. So there were at least 10 puzzles in Children's of Wormwood that we didn't do. We didn't see. Okay. I don't remember how many in low memory there were. But I think there were less in low memory that we didn't see. That might just be like we might have explored more in low memory. <laughs> so, yeah, like there, there's a time element because you have these action tokens that you're using to to spend on reading the passages. And so you like you want to use as few of those as possible. So we we kind of rushed through Children's of Wormwood, I guess, because we had leftover action tokens at the end. So we could have done more. But yeah, you could go through multiple times. I don't know if I would want to, though, because like, the story is still similar. It's just like kind of branching and it's kind of leaning towards a similar ending and similar big things. And because like the puzzle part actually wasn't as exciting as the story part because of all the frustrations, uh, I don't I don't want to play them again. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that was Escape Tales, Low Memory and Escape Tales, Children of Wormwood. Awesome. I have Low Memory. A friend mm -hmm. gave it to me forever ago and I still am going to play it at some point. I don't have Children mm -hmm. of Wormwood, but I am curious about that one as well. I liked The Awakening, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, one th cool thing about Children of Wormwood is it had a map. That's, oh, I don't okay. think that's a spoiler. 
it's yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah well i am excited to say that i am fully vaccinated as are a few of my friends from my local board game group which means we've started having in-person board game days again um we're not doing public meetups yet that's a step Mm. a little bit too far for us personally but we are doing we're hanging out at my house and last weekend, my buddy Greg, who I've been gaming with for literally years, brought over a game that I saw at a convention a year or two ago that I wanted to play and had never gotten a chance to. And that is Stay Cool from Scorpion Mask Games. Uh, Stay Cool is designed by Julian Sentis, and it is a party game that is all about multitasking. I was immediately enamored with the concept of this and I had seen some people playing it at a convention and just never gotten a chance to play it myself. So in Stay Cool, if you are the active player, you have to complete tasks to earn points. But the thing is, the tasks are coming to you from two different directions. So the way the game works is depending on the number of players you have, we're going to say that you have at least a few other players around you. The person on your left is reading you really simple trivia questions that you just have to answer out loud. They are things that literally anybody would know. Like, what color does the stoplight turn when you have to stop? And then you would just say red. Like, things like that. You know, really simple questions. The person on your right is also asking you questions at the same time. But instead of answering verbally, you have to spell out the answers using dice that have letters on them. So... They can't speak simultaneously. They have to take turns speaking, but they are going back and forth, basically asking you questions and you have to answer verbally to one person and in dice letters to the other person. And your brain glitches immediately. (laughs) Like you just, it's so funny. And the, the added twist on that is there's a timer and it's a 30 second timer that you get to flip over a number of times to total two minutes for each round. In round one, Somebody else is controlling that timer. They're doing everything for you. You don't have to pay any attention to it. But when the two minutes is up, they'll just tell you. Then when you go around the table a second time, (laughs) you have to control the timers flipping. So it's a 30 second timer and you have to tell the timekeeper to flip the timer before the sand runs out each time. And if you don't, your round ends early. Oh my gosh. Then the third time around the table, you have to control the timer again but it's hidden behind the lid of the box. <laughs> so you can't see the timer. You just have to like be like, oh God, has it been 25-ish seconds? Okay, flip it. And it's so funny because uh, at least two of us before our round were like, I'm not going to remember to flip that dang timer. And when we played, you just get so focused on answering the questions and the fact that the timer is hidden visually, your brain literally forget that, forgets that it exists. Like wow. it's just, and oh, And so your score each round is, both of the cards that have trivia questions on them have point values that escalate. It's not one for one, like it's not each question is worth a point, but as you get more questions on each card, your score will go up and then you multiply the two numbers together. So if you get two points on one card and three points on the other, then you get six points for the round. It is so much fun. I cannot tell you, like, when you start gaming in person with people and they want to play a party game, this is the game that you should play with your friends at a party when you can do that safely. Because this is the type of game that we never could have played remotely, like, with any real... I mean, we could have, but it would have been incredibly difficult, basically. (laughs) So... 
I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's available pretty much everywhere. Like I want to say this, get this made into mass market stores, but yeah, it's called stay cool. It's got a funny cartoon bomb on the uh, front of the cover. Pretty noticeable. So I, I highly recommend it. I really loved it. I cannot wait to play it again. Yeah, that sounds really hard and also really fun. I just added it to want to play list. Nice. Yeah, no, you I, you love real-time games and you, <laughs> yeah. I think, I bet you will be really good at this too. You'll literally be spelling one word and saying the other one at the same time where my, I'm literally, like when I'm playing, I'm like, eh, 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 the whole time, even though the questions are so easy. Um, yeah, it's it's I'll just funny. fail at answering the questions. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> it's funny how, how much my brain was glitching. Um, and everybody else, too. It was so fun. This is one of those games that's really enjoyable just to sit back and watch happen, too. Mm -hmm, yeah. So if somebody doesn't want to play, they can still enjoy the, uh, the shenanigans. Yeah. So that was Stay Cool. Way back in episode 33, we did a topic that we named the Digital Frontier, and we talked about apps in games. Well, episode 33 was a long time ago, and there have been a lot more games that have come out that use apps, either as an essential part of the play experience or as an added bonus part of the play experience. So we're going to bring Matt into the conversation with us now, and we're going to talk about what our thoughts are. And I will, I want to start off the conversation by saying around six years ago or so, that is when XCOM, the ga board game was released. And I want to say it was one of the first big titles that involved an app that you had to use to play the board game. And a mm. lot of people in the board game community were kind of spazzing out about it. Like, oh, this app isn't going to be supported after X amount of time. And, you know, we don't blah, blah, blah. Everybody was kind of complaining about apps and board games. And mm -hmm. I think for me personally, that the board game community has become a lot, a bigger fan in general of apps and games or more tolerant of them, at least. What are your all thoughts on that? I don't know about the community because I haven't seen it recently as much <laughs> but but yeah like there definitely have been a lot more games with apps and people are excited more about the game like it seems that games with apps are more popular now because there are a lot of games with apps that have succeeded a lot like mansions of madness second edition is like super popular oh yeah there are probably other ones that i can't think of right now <laughs> oh unlock yeah the escape rooms are a great place yeah. to use apps in and and can sort of hand wave away a lot of those concerns about long time support of a game because yeah once you play it and you're done it doesn't matter if the app's available a decade that's from true. now yeah that's true i really like apps for escape room type games like unlock uses them very creatively and then i guess i was talking about escape tales which uses it for doing the answers and then for children's of wormwood it actually had like the ending text in the app which is nice too oh cool yeah, there have been quite a few games that have come out that utilize apps to great success, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but there is still, even for me, I, I do enjoy a lot of games that use apps, but I also sometimes have that little moment of like kind of wanting to keep my analog and digital experiences separate mm -hmm. to some degree. And I, I've definitely been shifting away from that as time has passed and more games yeah. have come out. There's a couple of different uh, geek lists on Board Game Geek. There's one that has a list of official companion apps. They are officially provided by like publishers. 
to help out with board games, but they are not required for gameplay. And there's a surprisingly large number of those. And then there is also uh, games that require an app to play. And there's a pretty large number of those now as well. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of shockingly. Yeah. Like, I pulled up these lists and I was like, oh, yeah. And, like, it's funny because some of these games I don't think of immediately, even though the app is such a big part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, Forgotten Waters would be one of those. Like, the app, the digital the, the website, you know, like, is a, such a huge part of the game. But when I was thinking about app games, that didn't immediately come to mind for me. I guess they've been integrated better into games, so they're more like a part of it that you can't, you don't really think of it as an app as much. So I haven't played Forgotten Waters, but that's how I assume it is. It's like part of the game so much that like you don't think of it as a separate app, maybe. I don't know. Well, it's interesting. So for like... Forgotten Waters specifically, it it, uh, it helps you with the timer when you are placing uh-huh. your people to go do actions like that. It controls the timer, which is great. And then it also gives you all of the story and the voice narration. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to immerse yourself in this world as effectively yeah. without that digital component. Yeah. Just, it's not possible. And so I really appreciate it for that. Although I have a friend that played Forgotten Waters with me and really didn't like the game because of how slowly it moved when we were listening to the mm. voice narration. Like it mm-hmm. is a much slower experience if you are listening to the audio, like the narration That's instead of true. just reading it yourself. Yeah. There there was a game that we played, um, that Toby and I played with an app um, that read out text. I don't remember what it was. It was probably some sort of escape room type game or story game. But like we ended up just reading the text and skipping over the voice narration because we're impatient. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can see I can see that point of view. <laughs> For sure. So, Matt, you, you kind of shared some thoughts with us before we recorded the episode, but I would love to hear your thoughts on apps in games in general, kind of. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I don't have a ton of them in my my own collection. I'm a little reluctant to, to add them for some of those worries about where an app is going to be, you know, three, five years down the road. And I'd definitely be worried about having to make my next phone purchase around what board games needed to be supported <laughs> down the road, right? I mean, the, right. maybe for Windows-type apps, it's, it's a little bit different because you have greater confidence that you'll be able to get to it. Definitely changes the way that we interact with, with board game publishers as opposed to I buy a thing and it's mine and we don't ever have to interact again. You know, you need a publisher to continue to interact with a company that provides a store and then you need to continue to interact um, with them mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think escape rooms are a good spot to do, to do a lot of that because it gets mm-hmm. rid of those concerns. And there's also some things that you can do with board game apps that you can't do anywhere else, not only in the, the yeah. narrative sense, but like, I think it was Chronicles of Crime, like added new content using existing assets just by continuing oh, to yeah, update the app. Yeah. yeah, it's like a free expansion almost. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Or even if they make you pay for it in the app, like as an add-on content, it's usually going to be cheaper than yeah. buying a physical expansion. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, and apps and board games have also kind of allowed for some really innovative stuff to hit the board mm-hmm. game space. I think one of the best examples of that would be Drop Mix. Drop Mix, for the record, I, I still love. <laughs> like, I know it kind of... It was weirdly overpriced when it first came out, and then it was hard to get the cards, the extra packs, and things like that. But um, it's a game where you're literally taking these 
physical cards that have NFC chips in them and placing them onto a physical board and then music plays through your phone, the app, and you're literally mixing music together in real time like you were a DJ. And it makes you feel like a freaking DJ. And it's really <laughs> cool. And yeah, again, like I don't think it would be re it would be prohibitively expensive to put enough tech into the device itself to do that without yeah. the phone helping. So like that game couldn't have existed otherwise. Mm -hmm. The other big thing that I think apps have allowed games to do is I, I'm going to say this with like an asterisk, but I think it allows for better variability in certain types of games as well. And the asterisk there is most games do not need as much variability as people say that they do. Like people are <laughs> like, oh, what's the replayability on this game? And it's like, are you really going to play it even 20 times? Like probably not. So chill out a little. But in a game, for instance, like Awkward Guests, where you're solving a mystery the book that comes with Awkward Guests has cases in it, and you can solve it without the app. But if you do that, you can only check the answer, the correct answer, one time. You can make a single guess and then verify if you are correct or incorrect, and that's the end because you have to see the answer. If you use the app, you can input what you think, and it'll just tell you if you're right or wrong, and you can keep going and make additional guesses. And mm -hmm. it can create an infinite number of cases for you because it can generate the stuff needed, yeah. tell you what cards you need and all of that jazz. So another uh, Rising 5 from our sponsor, Gray Fox Games, same way. Rising 5 is kind of like a mastermind style cooperative game and it generates the puzzle in the app. So that way, mm -hmm. you know, nobody knows the answer and you don't have to worry about it. So it does yeah. do that. Yeah, apps are good for things where like you would normally need a dungeon master or someone else like overseeing stuff so like another deduction game alchemists they have an option an optional app um so they have a way for a player to do like check the deduction and stuff but then that player has to not be playing i think yeah that player literally <laughs> so, has to just be like a bookkeeper and that does yeah. not sound like fun i mean some people like, might that might be their or, jam but or you can use the app and then everyone can play so that's nice um and then also like with Mansions of Madness and Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth, which is the one that I have, um, the, it, the app does all of the like dungeon building. So it's a cooperative dungeon crawler type game. And that's great. But one problem with the app <laughs> is that if you uh, switch devices or like upgrade your device and forget to save <laughs> the app, then then you lose your, your stuff. Oh, no. So so if you like started a campaign, hypothetically, <laughs> and then like we're a few scenarios in then then you have to restart <laughs> uh, this may or may not have happened <laughs> <laughs> you do you, you have the look on your face of oh i know how this goes <laughs> well we were only a, a few uh scenarios in but yeah could could have been worse but still not not, not the greatest <laughs> yeah. i think that some of the most unique games in my collection involve apps to some degree. I think Mansions of Madness is definitely one of them. Another mm -hmm. one, which is really different than Mansions of Madness as a good counterpoint, is Beasts of Balance, which is a mm. stacking mm -hmm. dexterity game where you have these plastic pieces that are all shaped like animals and other objects, and you stack them onto this tower, and then in the app, those animals that you put onto the tower show up on the screen, and there are cool ways to like combine animals so in the physical space, you're, you put like an octopus and then you put a specific thing on top of the octopus and then you put another animal on top of that, let's say an elephant. In the app, 
it will literally show you what this new animal looks like, this weird hybrid between an elephant and an octopus. And it exists in the app now. And like, that's so cool to see the cool wow. combinations you can make. Like, it's really, neat. really neat. And the uh -huh. stacking game is fun in and of itself. You could play Beasts of Balance, but just as a normal stacking dexterity game. But like where it mm -hmm. really shines is the combination with the app itself. That's cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of my, well, my favorite game actually does not have an app, but it came with a CD. And <laughs> so like Space, Space Alert, Alert comes with a CD. It comes with a CD uh -huh. because you have a soundtrack telling you like when the enemies are appearing and stuff. So there's like different tracks for the different difficulties or whatever. Um, okay. And I, I've actually never played it with the CD because there's a unofficial app that you can use instead to randomize what comes out when and it like increase the difficulty and stuff you you randomize all that so yeah like that's very nice with an app because it's always different and random <laughs> but yeah like I was thinking that made me think that apps like or the concept of having an app or a digital assistant isn't really new because old games had VHS like like a yeah nightmare right yes! like that has i haven't played it still but that has a vhs um yeah video fun fact playing. i just got a version of atmosphere that has a dvd instead of a vhs oh, and i now okay. own both i have the vhs version and the dvd <laughs> version of atmosphere yeah. but like if that were made today it'd probably have an app and then have like different scenario i don't know <laughs> like, oh man now you're just making me want Cause, okay because there was a company that was supposed to republish mm -hmm. atmosphere and uh -huh. like, cause, um, restoration games wanted it and uh -huh. couldn't get it because somebody else had acquired the license and was planning on doing it. I don't think they ever did. And I'm mad about oh, it. Like, no. <laughs> I don't typically like horror in, in life. Like I don't do horror movies <laughs> yeah, or TV shows, but this game I want, I want more of it. I want jump scares in my board games. I don't know why, but somebody <laughs> please like, just give me more of this creepy guy that's going to yell at me and make me <laughs> anxious and. And uh, that was a weird sentence to say. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> Not sure where to go from there. Yeah, I don't know either. But um, needless to say, I'm, I'm kind of trying to like rack my brain and look through the lists in BoardGameGeek and see if there are any major releases, like titles that people would be generally aware of that have had an app that then lost support. And I don't, I personally don't know of any, but that's not to say that it hasn't happened. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough of apps or like what, what stayed around or not. <laughs> yeah. And even like a lot of old games, if enough people like them, people tend to make like fan-made apps. Like of the, if you're thinking of the DVD games, like people upload those to YouTube or something, right? Oh yeah, all of the Atmosphere videos are on YouTube. Yeah. Like I don't even worry, cause I don't, I, I don't have a way to play a VHS game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like I do not own a VHS player anymore. Although I have to admit, if I could find one cheap enough, that feels like a more interesting <laughs> game night. You know, to like actually put in the VHS like put it in? tape. Yeah, oh, like that feels like something like that I would definitely do. <laughs> But I don't, I don't think VHS players are cheap. I think that they're actually kind of expensive to get nowadays because they're so uncommon. <laughs> so Matt, of the games that you've played that used apps in any way, even if they were unnecessary to gameplay, are there any in particular that you've been really fond of? Yeah, I mean, Mansion of Madness is, is wonderful. And I think definitely the... Any of the apps that do a lot of the bookkeeping for you are definitely ones that I'm going to get behind just to, to smooth out 
the gaming experience. For sure. Sheriff of Nottingham has that. Like, it's you don't need it to play the game, but it, at the end, you can, like, input everybody's what mm. goods and contraband they have, and it, like, does the scores for you or whatever. Yeah, I think those are definitely useful and mm-hmm. nice to have. <laughs> well, and in Mansions of Madness... In first edition, the thing that everybody always said is, like, when you're setting up the game, if you're the game master, you have to be really careful because one misplaced token could literally Mm. ruin the scenario. And that's scary. So now it's like, oh, no, we don't have to put these tokens out because the app is just going to tell us. (laughs) Like, Yeah, so nice. Well, I would say apps with board games are here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. And I, for one, am a fan. I like them. I have a lot of games that involve apps, and I'm, I'm down for it. But I also am still, you know, in the back of my head, kind of like, huh, let's see if this lasts. <laughs> but it seems like, for now, that's uh, that's what's happening. That's what's yeah. happening. But <laughs> <laughs> up, up. Yeah, one, th- one thing to not gloss over, too, is that just from an accessibility standpoint, board game apps can bring a whole bunch of narrative style board games to people who may not be able to to see or visually impaired in some way Mm. so there's there's definitely places where using apps in novel ways can make games more accessible to everybody absolutely that's That's an excellent point and actually i wonder here's a a question i want to pose to two of you before we end this conversation do you think that the past year of a lot more people playing board games in digital spaces. Do you think that that will lead to better or more app-based or app-supported games because board gamers have kind of become more familiar with digital spaces in ways that they maybe weren't before? What do you think? That's an idea that just popped into my head and I don't care what you guys answer, but... (laughs) I think it could and... And then also publishers have been making more digital games. So they have now the resources to make digital apps and stuff because they've been working towards that in the past year. So like now that they have those resources and people who know how to make apps, they can use them for future games as well, I guess. I agree. And I mean, also from just a supply chain cost to produce game type basis, Mm. it's a lot easier to spin an app up than it is to, to get plastic shipped over from China and that's only going to get more expensive over time. For sure. Mm-hmm. Especially if you like even if you are still making a physical board game, if the app can supplement the experience and make the physical board game cheaper to produce, that could potentially be a benefit to publishers. Like you still have to develop mm-hmm. the app, but I think there's an interesting balance there and you there's a lot of opportunity for innovation and new stuff and also just different experiences. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. If you're still looking to get a copy of After the Empire, it is available on GameFound now. Want to get some Gray Fox Games at a discount? They're offering Blitzketeers 20% off non-exclusive items on their website. Just use the code BGBLITZ21 at checkout. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, buy it, use it, tap it, play it, score it, close it, fun, download it. Bye, everyone! Bye!
Do you like getting games at a discount? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> How about, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. 